Great. Thank you for having me. And I'm very glad to be here. And um, yeah, so my role at the TD Bank uh, group right now is um, launching and deploying the uh, Women Entrepreneurs segment, which is actually a strategy that the TD Bank has been working on for the last two years um, with a, a national perspective. But key, uh, Quebec is actually the first region where we're launching the strategy and I'm responsible for, as a regional manager for Quebec. And our promise uh, literally uh, could seem very simple, but it's uh, to facilitate the success of women entrepreneurs. And what we've done with this segment specifically is work with internal partners, such as our professionals or experts or bankers, and uh, as well as external partners, uh, organizations who have been working with women for the last um, uh, for the last 10, 20 years. And we've partnered with them sometimes to build new programs, but other times as well, just to continue the, uh, the regular offer of services and resources that they have to be able to, uh, to be able to offer these to, to women entrepreneurs who are already in business, but also to some, uh, who might be thinking of launching a business and especially during, uh, these hard times that we are, um, living. And I think it's more and more important to have, uh, local, organizations being able to to give the right support to the women entrepreneurs love it that sounds great i yeah i hope that this is a real success so that they can roll uh this out canada wide yeah um so why don't you tell us just a bit more about maybe um building partnerships and ecosystem building um and maybe a little bit about uh the knowledge base on gender bias yeah so um this is a very interesting and very important part of on the um, of the segment actually because the way we tackle this issue because TD has already launched uh, different programs tar uh, targeting women we have a lot women in leadership program as well but for this segment women entrepreneurs my colleague uh, Chantal Pitt actually worked a lot on uh, building this approach specifically for our bankers or professionals with uh, a training um, that tackles the uh, the bias, the unconscious bias that sometimes we women and men have when we are talking and exchanging with uh, women who may have businesses. Uh, sometimes we know in general um, they will be uh, maybe more reluctant to take risks, to even to take. Uh, financing uh, solution. So it's uh, really important. It was really important for us to be able to address those issues and make sure that we give our bankers the, the tools and the knowledge to uh, to know and to be able to identify some in, un, uh, some uncomfortable situations uh, when women will be bringing up ideas or projects to the bank, not be able to shut them down basically because uh, uh, we as professionals would find those ideas too small or even um, be able to uh, um, ask them sometimes if they were to have uh, one or two partners and sometimes some people would refer to those partners as, as being men. So just be able to, uh, uh, to address that and make sure that we don't have that in that segment, that we don't have that from our team that's what we. That's why we worked on this um, this training with women-based companies actually here in Quebec, Iluxi, and also the uh, the Réseau des Femmes d'Affaires de Quebec to build 
this training. And right now we're very proud because our professionals who have uh, gone to the training can have a badge saying that they are now accredited bankers for women entrepreneurs. And this was a very important piece of the uh, of the segment to be able to uh, have that, that leverage on the market and be able to uh, uh, directly talk about those bias because they do exist and we can't act like they don't. And uh, so we we decided to uh, to address that directly and be able to train our, our bankers with that training. So we're all trying to figure out how we can better approach, uh, take a better approach or more efficient approach to supporting women in entrepreneurship overall. How is this specific TD initiative approaching that and where are the building blocks are putting in place? Yeah, so great question. Um, for the first years, um, the the most important part was creating um i would say making sure that it was important for everyone within the bank because of course the bank already has clients who are women entrepreneurs who are clients who are women but making sure that it was important to have a specific dedicated segment to women entrepreneurs because um td for some of you who may know um has a very um broad uh, diversity approach uh, we have a segment targeting um, professionals, targeting franchises, targeting uh, uh, indigenous people and targeting as well um, LGBTQ communities. So it was, I would say, on, only a matter of time be- before we decided to address um, the woman entrepreneurs uh, angle with that segment and building the whole uh, motivation and inspiration behind the segment and making sure that through all departments of the bank, it was something that was important for every uh, for every person at every level and uh, working with the second step i would say working with uh, professionals who at different levels were already um working with uh, different women entrepreneur women leadership programs but decided to take some time and really um motivate themselves and also gather a few more colleagues to join the program as well within the bank. So that's, I would say, um, the second level to be able to collaborate with these partners, these internal partners within uh, TD and making sure that we have that that support uh, internally. So I think that's really very, very, that was very, very much important from the, from the get-go. And that's why it took, you know, I, I mentioned it took uh, close to two years to be able to have that program to be ready. And we were about to launch the program in March uh, this year, 2020. And as you know, it, that didn't happen uh, because of the pandemic, but we still managed to uh, uh, deploy a lot of the strategies, a lot of the uh, uh, the events, even though virtual, but a lot of uh, what was planned, um, we were able to to reach these goals because uh, it was important for us to, to make sure that the segment was launched. Um, so Tenum Launch is... Uh, extremely interested in increasing uh, diversity of entrepreneurs. And so, um, you know, when you think about how women approach entrepreneurship or consider it, I mean, research shows that, that, you know, there are certain words that resonate on, say, job descriptions that are more appealing to women or, um, you know, there's a statistic, seven out of 10 of the requirements on a job application, women feel like they have to have meet all the requirements as opposed to, you know, men, if it's four out of 10, you know, it's good enough for them kind of thing. Women tend to think more about the two body problem. 
Um, they tend to consider um, other aspects in their life um, in consideration if ever they're going to become an entrepreneur. So, you know, given all of that, like, what do you see, what do you experience um, in terms of trying to attract more women, encourage them uh, that entrepreneurship is something um, where, where they belong? And then is there, is there something more specific um, that, that would resonate with black women um, that we need to be thinking about? Mm. Um, well, to answer the first part of your question, Bobby, I would say um, right now for the segment, uh, what we've been uh, working a lot with, and I don't know because we haven't had that experience. I don't know if it's because of the pandemic, but we're, we're working more with women who are already um, in business, who, so who have already started a business prior to uh, the pandemic, or um, or they have they were really on a certain uh, a certain wave of um, you know um, of their company. But if we were to attract new women entrepreneurs or businesses uh, who were to start by women today, I would think it the pandemic has made it very very difficult to be able to um, attract more women from my perspective, because as you mentioned, um, in general, of course, women tend to have all the right, the perfect pieces at the perfect moment uh, to be able to take that risk, even though we're not very, we're, we're pretty much um, uh, reluctant to, to taking a big risk. So the pandemic, I think, has made it harder for a lot of women who were thinking of launching their business prior to that. Mm. And right now are really reconsidering because it's not the right timing. They don't have the right skills. Maybe they should focus more on digital training because right now everything's virtual. So I, I don't have the digital background. So we have a lot of women second guessing themselves again, mm. because of what we've, uh, what we're going through and are not able to, you know, gain a lot of confidence uh, to be launching their businesses. So I think we would um, maybe in the next six months or 12 months, we're going to be seeing uh, some setbacks and new businesses opened by, by, by women. And I, I have a little bit of echo from local or local organizations here as well in terms of new demands for financing for new businesses started by women. It's been pretty much since May, June, it's been pretty much dead. So no new businesses have been open um, and they don't have a lot of uh, demands for that. It could mean two things as well. It could mean that, of course, as I was saying, um, the pandemic has raised more risk for women to start businesses. But it could also mean that, and that's also a fact of reality, that women are starting a lot of side hustle businesses, you know, um, apart from their job and their family sometimes and the household management, they are starting and testing out their idea right now. So they haven't registered yet their company, haven't incorporated yet anything. So they are, they are still in the testing mode, testing phase. So it's not official yet. So because, again, they're testing out the risk. They want everything to be perfect at the right time with the right elements. So it could also be a certain explanation. And to the second part of your question about Black women specifically, I think um, a lot of um, a lot of things could be done and could have been done differently for the for many many years now. And uh, from my perspective, especially as a has as a person who studied entrepreneurship, who's been a, a business counselor for the last 10, 12 years, 
I think the approach is really where we are lacking uh, specific details on what we could be doing more for minorities and especially for Black entrepreneurs uh, in terms of how we consider the type of business and the sectors of, uh, and industries where they start their businesses because the, the approach of, uh, uh, of jury members who are sometimes not of, um, not from the different minorities or different communities or black communities, uh, for example, they tend to evaluate, uh, let's say somebody starting a, a business with, uh, uh, black products or black hair, for example, as not viable as, as something that doesn't have a lot of potential here in Quebec or in Canada. Where if you knew um, more and more details about black communities and, and beauty products within those communities, you'd know that the potential is huge. So I think, uh, so what I gather under this word approach is really our specific, pers- uh, the, pres- the precise or specific perspective of people evaluating businesses started by Black entrepreneurs specifically. And it goes again to our biases, unconscious or conscious biases, because uh, if we don't, if we ignore the specific details of each communities or um, of the way that a specific community would approach a problem or would uh, approach, uh, would find a solution to a very common problem in their communities, then I think a lot of jury members, um, program evaluators, or even investors would tend to fund and also support more businesses funded by uh, Black entrepreneurs or my, uh, other minority, um, other minorities as well, it could be Indigenous or, um, or other minorities. So when it comes to um, your insights into diversity in tech at the moment, and some of the uh, some of the actual actions that we can uh, we can take with increasing representation. Uh, where do you stand on that? Uh, what comes to mind for some potential solutions? I think um, in terms of one easy, it's easy to say, but it, of course it's not easy to do because it hasn't been done. So uh, in my mind, it is something that's easy to do, but it must not be for some people. But it, it's representation, right? As I was saying, um, a lot of times when you go to uh, accelerators, incubators, or even visit co-working space, uh, well, prior to uh, the pandemic, of course, uh, you would see literally only people from different minorities present there. So, but it's when you, it really was, uh, the issue was when you were to see the, the businesses funded uh, by uh, investors or by different programs that you would see there is a certain gap because you would not see those diversity and minority people represented in the uh, the projects that won. So I think it's starting to change. It is starting uh, to change a lot, and that's that's very um, that's very good news. But I think the first step would be representation, making sure that the decision makers wherever they are, uh, what title they have, are people from um, from different communities representing a certain level of diversity. And of course, it's not, it's not the only answer because sometimes you could have the, uh, people from uh, different diversities who don't have a, uh, the right approach, who don't have that 
uh, that perspective on we should be able to have more uh, diversity represented. So this is why the second approach would be to make sure that we know and don't ignore our biases, conscious or unconscious, as I was saying, and um, could be training for a lot of people uh, making decisions and those programs, those uh, those sectors, incubators and, and whatnot, just, just to make sure that we are putting all the right tools of success on our side. And I think the third aspect would be um, to make sure that we do the extra mile to go for those, um, to go for those, for these, for that clientele, I would say, without um, making sure that we only see them as clients and to make the extra mile, to do the extra mile, to go in uh, communities, to promote the different programs that, um, that you have, to go um, to different neighborhoods that sometimes we're, you're not accustomed to, to be able to find those, uh, those young entrepreneurs that, um, that future, uh, you know, that future, uh, those future leaders that we need to be able to, to launch new businesses. Oh, and also because they are the people who will be able to, um, to find solutions with impact, find solutions for social problems that we, because they're not uh, some things that we we live and that are part of our rela- reality, but um, they might be the young and the future leaders who would come up with solutions to, to to fight those social injustices and social inequalities. So we have to do the extra mile to go to those communities, go to those uh, neighborhoods to find these um, these future leaders and be able to uh, promote um, our programs and make sure that we attract them. So that would be my third action. Yeah, they have the, the new perspective. They're the ones that grew up with all the new technology in this new world. And, yeah. and they know all the nuances are, you know, do. you know, Deborah, I have to ask if, if, um, if you could, if you were to talk to a, uh, a black woman, a black entrepreneur, let's say she's, she's just about to get started, uh, maybe even like straight out of high school. And she's looking to, you know, develop skills and invest in herself as an entrepreneur, but she doesn't know what she wants to uh, what she wants to pursue just yet. What kind of advice would you give her in order to identify her direction or what the next step she should take? Mm. Um, I love testing out ideas. So I would say test out a few ideas first, just to see what you're comfortable with and what you want to do. And I am a great believer of a, after you test a couple of ideas, uh, a couple of ideas, you kind of know, even if you don't know exactly what you want to do, but you kind of know the direction that you want to take. And I would say my second advice would be um, just to benefit from all the resources and the programs. I think in Montreal, we can really pride, our, pride ourselves in the fact that we have great programs. We have great um, cohorts. I, I'm thinking because you're mentioning young black women. I'm thinking of Technovation, for example. And there are different um, programs, resources, and projects that you can get involved in, uh, volunteer in. And a lot of them are not uh, are free. So I think we do have that that great chance and that great opportunity here in Montreal and Quebec to have access to those uh, programs. And if I were, because um, I wasn't born here. I came here 15 years ago from Haiti. And if I were uh, born here and I was raised here and I would 
I and I could see that I would benefit from a lot of the, the those programs at a very early young age. I would do them all. Like if I were to do it again, I would do every type of program that was out there because that is that is that is a big big plus, and that's definitely what I would tell that young black woman to. Do everything. Make sure that you're seen. Make sure that you're visible, and make sure that you try out things first. And there are things to try out first because we have a great support system. We have a great ecosystem, and we have uh, a lot of organizations that collaborate with one another. So that's also a good thing uh, to know. I have a I have a friend. She's uh, you know what? She, you might as well have just described her this entire way through. Uh, oh, I want to say she's an overachieving black woman juggles multiple side hustles, uh, is a rock for her family and her community. And I have no idea how she does it, but she has this, um, she has this saying called, you have to have the audacity to do things and the audacity mm-hmm. to, to stake mm-hmm. your claim and to, to really dictate your own value. So yeah. she, whenever she's talking to, uh, to other black female entrepreneurs, she asked them what their, their latest audacity, uh, audacious moment was. You know, what mm-hmm. was the moment where you last had to, you know, again, let's not let's not be let's not be gentle with it. We we live in a man's world and sometimes women have to step forward and really put their foot down to be like, you know, you're not going to talk over me, be audacious, embrace your value. Um, mm-hmm. Would you be able to tell us the last time you had to embrace an audacious side of you and, and kind of, you know, let people know that they're talking to somebody that, that requires a certain amount of respect or a certain amount of pedigree when, when, when they bring certain conversations to you? Oh, wow. I was not expecting that, that question. Um, it's funny because um, one of the, uh, the best books, that I've read, which is actually a gift for my sister, I think uh, 12, 13 years ago, is a a book by Deborah Condren called Ambitious. And uh, of course, speaking of ambition and how you should have, you know, the audacity to make some moves. And that's really how I lived my life for the last, uh, for the last years or so with that level of audacity. And um, my last audacious move, um, I would say actually happened this week. Um, So actually my last audacious move uh, happened very recently at an event, a very big event. And uh, I would say that the, uh, the way that they approached me to host a certain panel was um, very much um, like you would know and you you could tell that they didn't know my background, they didn't know what I've done before, and that's okay and to some extent. But the uh, the way that they spoke to me and the way that they uh, submitted um, certain information to me, I just was not receiving it well, and I really felt. Um, I really felt that the there was some sort of a lack of respect in their approach, I would say, and I had to sit them down and I had to have a conversation, like schedule meetings and have that conversation and tell them, listen, this is who I am, this is what I do, and this is what I charge. And I think that actually set a certain mood amongst a lot of people. And when I delivered the uh, the actual panel or project 
everybody was so surprised and I still am receiving emails to congratulate me for for the work that I that I did because everybody was surprised and they were not expecting it and it has a lot to do with um of course I I do believe even though it's not something that I will bring up every day uh of the week it has to do with uh the color of my skin the fact that there's a black woman in a mainly white event. So me, so she's there because we're talking about diversity and inclusion, but she doesn't really have her spot there. So I try to make them, you know, I try to remind them what I've done and why exactly I had my place there more than a lot of other people there. 